Hi, guys. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we're talking about all your favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram. You know the deal. This is a good book. We're going to talk about it. I'm Caitlin, joined by Hilda today. Hi. And once we finish up Iron Flame and we get through this book, Bridget will be back on and it'll be your, your tenacious trio once more. And we cannot wait to have her back. So we are doing part three. Part three of Rebecca Yaros's Iron Flame because, you know, as we say often, when you they write these big chunky chunk girls of a book, we got to break them up into part three. And this one, we got to break them into three parts because there's a lot of good stuff that happens that really, frankly, has to be discussed. Yeah. And we have questions. Oh, do we have questions? Hilda's like, I have questions. I'm like, I don't have answers. I think I have more questions. I All think totally even more than valid. the cliffhanger of the last book. Yeah. Because we kind of get at the end of this book, and if you read it, you know, you know, and we're going to talk about it later, but there's like a, a chunk of time that is missing, and you, you, you see the output of what happened, and you're like, well, what, how did we get there? Well, it's not only how did we get there, but like, why did we get why there? Why did we get there? Right. And also, how is this happening? Right. A lot of questions, and we got a lot of things to cover, so we're gonna just going to dive on into it. So parts one and parts two are already out. Obvious spoiler warnings if you haven't read this book or anything in the series. I mean, I'm assuming if you've made it to part three, you know, you know the spoilers, warnings already. But those two are out. So if you're looking to refresh, go check out those two, then hop back over here. So let's let's jump in where we last left off. So in part two, we left, we stopped when all the writers left Bazgiath and headed to uh, Riorsen House or Arisha. And the students had a choice. Do they fly off in the face of knowing what they know, that wyverns are actually real and those are the enemy versus the griffins? Or do we stay and just fight for our country? So Yeah, because so part of the concern was that the government would go after their families if they were traitors. So leaving is a big deal. Right. It kind of goes against all of those ethics and codes that are drilled into them as writers and what their duties are. So... Not an easy decision, but I think most of them ended up leaving. At least half of them ended up leaving and believing, you know, Violet and what's his face, Dane and Zayden. Yep. So they're all they're all there. Now, where does this leave us? It leaves us with a much improved, and I'm going to still call them the rebels because that's kind of what that group was called, even though I, I don't know what we. It's really call them like now. the heroes, right? I'm like freedom fighters sounds weird. <laughs> But they're they're really the heroes of this story. But a big group of a much bigger group of rebellion writers are there with them now. And where they were panicking for search for weapons and the luminary has now become a true and real panic because they're realizing time is not on their side, even less so than they already thought. They have all these people, thankfully, but now they have to arm them appropriately. We really need that luminary, and we're gonna have to go to the one person that Zayden refused to go to, which was the Viscount. Now, some shenanigans happened there. And I do just want to wittily call out that I called this whole section the don't don't Viscount them out, new Griffin Rider recruits. <laughs> Y'all, Caitlin has a gift for section title puns. I'm jealous. I, it's truly a gift. Thank you. And I, you know, not many people get to see it. It's more for you eyes, your eyes. So I have to call them out on the ones I, I really laughed at this one. And I told my husband and he, I'm laughing as I tell him, he just rolled his eyes. So I feel like you guys are my group of audience that would appreciate this. 
So that leaves us with we have to go to the one person we didn't want to go to, the Viscount who has Luminary and makes some deals. Now, I'm going to sum this up pretty quickly because there's a lot more things we want to get to. So we meet with the Viscount. We also meet Zayden's former betrothed, I believe. Yes. So quick, the Viscount is Catriona's uncle. Catriona, for whatever reason, is his heir. Yeah. Maybe. And so she was she and Zayden were betrothed to each other when I guess dad was alive. Zayden's dad was alive and they originally were going to, you know, rebel and become, I guess, their own country, secede from Navarre. And we also come to find out that Zayden, if Arisha, not Arisha, was it Tyrandor was its own country, he would be the ruler. Um, Correct. Because he's part of that bloodline. Also, fun fact. Catriona, aka Cat, is Serena's younger sister, and Serena is the Griffin writer that we originally meet in book one that came across Violet and Zayden that time they stopped at the lake and kind of caused that whole situation where Violet felt betrayed. Right. Now, do we like Katrina? I call her Katrina. So I'm just gonna roll with that. There's an O in there. There is an O. I don't like know why is Catriona? there an O? Is that a real name? It, I think it is. Let's just call her Cat. Cat. We're gonna roll with Cat. I like this. Better. Although, although she's a bitch, I don't really like her. So we don't I like do her. Not like naming her after my favorite animal, but mm. whatever. Mm. I. That's fair. That's very fair. So, do we like Cat? We don't because she is a jealous little bee, and her signet power is she's able to enhance the emotions of everyone around her. So Violet instantly is a little bit jealous, and she feeds into this and makes her more jealous. So she like, constantly pulls the shit throughout the rest of the yeah. half of the book. Like, Violet is acting like a crazy person. Yes. And Kat knows this about her and enhances – well, she knows that she's jealous about her and she enhances those feelings. So, I mean, even later on, she shows up, like, in, like, see-through lingerie at the room that Violet and Zayden share. And she's like, oh, you're here? I was kind of looking for him. And you're like, what the – You like, know, bitch, it's that bitch, stuff. please. Bitch, but the please. other thing, too, is Kat – ends up confessing later on that she's only interested in Zayden because of the power, not so right. much because she actually cares about him. And Violet, for whatever reason, because Kat is supposedly really beautiful, feels insecure. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It, it was like a minor subplot that truly was a little annoying. Yeah, because you're like, this bitch just keeps keeps on bitching. So, you know, that is happening there. In in the battle, the talks for this negotiation, there's this weird element where they trick uh, Violet and Mira because she's there to go down to some fighting ring and inadvertently or maybe it was planned put them in front of a a, a Venon? Venon. Yeah, I was going to say Wyvern. Couldn't think of the name. A Venon. And it, everyone gets to see all the writers, this is the first time that are there that accompanied them to the Viscount's house get to see how deadly they really are and so now they're like, oh shit like this is really bad. Moral of the story, they all make it out alive but like just barely. And yeah, Violet's and the, able to do some cool rain electrocution thing. Yeah, she – so reminder, she still isn't great with aiming her lightning. And the Count basically was, was like, yeah, we captured the vi- Wyvern and we're using it to punish Zayden for breaking off his engagement to Kat. And it was like – it was stupid petty shit. They get pissed, but they're able to leave with the Luminary. Yeah. The cool part is that we get to see the Sword and Gale Sibs siblings – all three of them fighting against this wyvern, so that was pretty cool. Not wyvern. I said it again. 
defeated. So ultimately, the negotiations are successful. They get the luminary, and in return, uh, the Viscount Takaris wants weapons for him to take to the cadet Griffin Viders, Griffin Flyers, whose academy was destroyed. So they've got their own little Basgiath happening for their, their team. And what ends up happening is all of the Griffin Riders that are with him right now, formerly of the Academy, end up joining up with the Riders, and they all ride back to Riorsen House to join the army. So, yeah, and they're going to get trained because at Riorsen House, they basically set up a Shadow Basgath College, Basgath College, War College. Um, and so they're s- still getting trained on all of the important things, including how to control magic. Or the signets, sorry, not magic. Right. Now, as you can imagine, becoming BFF, not just BFF, but trusting someone who you thought was your mortal enemy is a little bit of a challenge for these two groups meeting together. And so they say, you know what's really fun? Let's have you guys climb this steep, steep, steep cliff. Like I'm talking like a sheer drop. And we'll do some more trauma bonding here where you guys either make it across or you die. Like dragons aren't going to help you. So riders, you have to help the griffins and their riders make it across totally makes sense like that's exactly team building right like sir you're fighting a battle you're about to lose we don't we need every single available person why are we just gonna let them die from a cliff like let's i just let's kill the weaklings <sighs> i guess brennan uh so he you know i think the interesting conversation from there is we start to see them opening up to each other but what really tickled my fancy is they're talking about how well how do you guys you know they're making small talk on their journey up the steep cliff And they're saying, well, how do you guys bond with your griffins? And they're like, oh, well, we actually go to the top top cliff. They kind of drive by or fly by and we jump onto their backs. And if we miss, we fall. And they're like, oh, so you guys fall to your death. And they're like, no, that's insane. We fall into the ocean and we climb back up and try again. Only you guys are the ones that are killing your riders every layer, every every second of the day. And all the riders are kind of like, huh. So you're telling me you guys just get to like live? Right? You're like, oops, missed. Guess I go cliff diving. Yeah, I bu- I look at the dragon the wrong way and I'm toast. Right? It's it's silly. It's silly, but there's this level of insanity where they're like, you guys are the fucking crazy ones. We're just over here f- jumping up cliff diving here. Yeah, like what's up with Navarre, man? Why are they killing all the riders? Why are they killing their people? It's a weird country. <sighs> I don't understand what they're doing. One of the... Dragons. No, one of the flyers... I think, okay, the flyers ride the griffins, the riders yeah. ride the dragon. Yes. The venin ride the ride wyvern. wyvern. Yeah. Okay. So one of the flyers in this weird team building exercise ends up dying, although Violet tries to save her. Cat basically blames her for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and has like a total like shit fit about it. But this is this also the scene where they run into Solus? No, that's later. Okay. But it's the same group. Uh, so as if the stakes weren't higher already, we know we have the dragons. They're taking uh, some shelter in a nearby valley by Riorsen House, and a hatchling, a new baby dragon, is born. By all accounts, hooray, new baby dragons. What happens when that happens is like a big magical signature goes out, basically alerting everyone that that's where the dragons are now settled. They're not at Basgath. And so, uh, you know, everyone's oh shit meter just rises even more because now – all the wyverns, like everyone must have felt that magic. All the wyverns are going to know that this is where they are and they know battle is coming for them any minute now at where they're stationed at Riorsen House. They end up showing up because they've been alerted about the hatchling, but 
Violet uses her very cool electrocution water new power power move that she learned by the Viscount's house to Uh, execute them. Felix, who's one of, I guess, the leaders of the rebellion, has been teaching her how to control her magic. And he's been giving her an orb that's made of like some alloy that's supposed to help channel and control her signet. I can't actually get into the specifics about it because I really wasn't paying attention to that part. I just vaguely remembered that. Yeah. So there's like a, it kind of pictured it like a snow globe sort of like, and that close. And then she's able to siphon off little bits of magic. So then when she has it, it's not this huge explosion. She's able to control it because she's letting it out bit by bit, but also she's able to imbue some weapons with some of that energy to fight them later on. So it has a double win for everyone. Now they are trying to raise the wards at Riorson house. So this is something that they need to do. And they know from translating the journal that they stole from the library during the Great Library Escape that we need six dragons to do it. But we have to go – while we're researching and translating that, we have to go on a rune hunt because we're learning that runes are traps. There's like some lures set around by Venan around and that they have to go find them and – wait, am I explaining this right? Am I messing things up? Part of the lessons that they learn at – this new Bazgath College, War College 2.0. They do have lessons in runes. And but why? I'm trying to remember why. Um, because runes are used for like protection and it's right. used it's used for different types of magic. And we I think we actually find out that the Griffin writers tend to use runes more as their form of magic because their magic is different from the dragon writers. Right, Griffin right. Flyers, yes. Dragon Riders. Okay. Right. So, and we also, also, oh, I also really didn't pay attention to this part. It's like, a little I did, fuzzy. But it, like, so I just read this book so quickly, also, because it was so good that I, some of these finer details, because I'd never read any type of fantasy with them, I kind of really didn't get it, but I wasn't nosy enough to go back and re verify what I had read. I just kept on plowing through. Right. So the wyverns that showed up a minute ago to in- inspect the dragon hatchling and see what's up, that's like a scouting group. That's not the real group. So they know that as they get more battle briefs and everything that's happening in Bazgath 2.0, they know that they're taking cities closer to them. And they need to – basically they get a school assignment where they have to pair up with the flyers and the riders to find hidden runes in the area. Um, and this is going to be helpful because – for all the reasons Hilda just mentioned. They also learn that they know how to raise the wards, as I mentioned. But if they do that, then all the Griffin Flyers will lose their powers. So they're trying to hold off from doing this as long as possible because they want to get them caught up to speed in how to fight using their magic. And they don't know what is coming for them, how many is coming for them. So they're, they're kind of of this like, we're going to wait till the last minute, but then these people are going to be defenseless and we really need them to help with our, with, help with our battle. So we're just going to try to do both things at the same time and see what we can end up with. So they're still trying to raise the wards and translate the book, the journal, and they're still trying to train the Drick Griffin writers. So they get the school assignment where they have to go find hidden runes. And so they're pairing up flyers and writers together. So Violet, Cat, who we hate, Basia, someone, another flyer, and Sloane are on a team and they go tracking into one cave. Now, there's a couple important things that happen here. One, we get a juicy bit of information from Sloane which I think it's 
you know, it's always so funny when you get like vital information from a side tertiary character. Yeah, ter- character. I was like, is she tertiary? I didn't want to do her dirty like that, but I'm like, yes, she's ter- second she tertiary. Kind of is. Yeah. Anyway, so Sloane, as we're just, you know, going through the cave, tells Violet that if a rider is bonded to a dragon who was previously bonded to a family member, they have a chance to either go insane or develop a second signet. I now, love these options, by the way. Yeah. like wh- And now I'm hearing this and I'm like, well, is he insane? Like, this that's where my brain went. It didn't go to second signet. So what do we, the reader, know? She's kind, She doesn't – as you're reading this, they don't make the connection right away. You're just like – well, is Violet going to go insane or is she going to develop a second signet? But we also know someone else who is bonded to – I totally forgot about this until they got into a fight about it later. Right. So, Chris, I don't she, – she doesn't talk about it. She's just like, oh, my God, does that mean what I think it means? I think that's what it means. And then you are like, I, I think I know what that means. And then – It's like, I don't. <laughs> I don't you, know what that means. <laughs> you get the rest of the download later. So what it means is if you remember from way back in book one – Sagel, 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 Scale, Scale, <laughs> uh, was bonded to Zayden's grandfather. So now she's thinking, okay, that's a familial bond. And this means that Zayden probably has a second signet because I don't think he's insane, but he probably has a second signet and he hasn't told her. So then this like compounds this whole trust issue thing, what we've already been working through the previous 80% of this book. So while they're in the cave, Solas. Now you'll remember Solas is the one-eyed dragon that Varish was bonded to and who Tarn fucking hates and was like, I'm going to rip this man's throat again if he tries to do this stuff to you again. Yeah, um, so Solus is like an unhinged dragon. Right. Like dragons are pretty moody and not to be messed with. But this guy, I guess, if there is a sociopath scale, Solus would be on it. Correct. Now, he kills... Basia, who, you know, we just learned her. It's Is it a loss? Yes. But we're going to move on from that. He kills Basia and the rest of the group trying to escape. But you know who comes in to save them? When all is looking bleak, they're in this cave. They can't find their magic. It's really hard. Our fucking Donna shows up and she is brilliant. She ends up killing Solas all by herself. All by herself. Now, remember, she was like a little baby. Now she's a big, big girl. She's a you know, moody teenager. Moody teenager. So imagine this moody teenager just popping off and she kills him all by herself, saving Violet and Kat and I believe – yeah, and Sloan. Now, this does become just a little thing to highlight too. She did become a dragon slayer, dragon death, dragon attacks, dragon murder. I guess is the better way to say this. It doesn't go down well with the Imperium. So she's now a dragon slayer and later has to go talk to the elder dragons. But they're like, it's okay. We're not going to punish you. Yeah, because she was she was protecting her writer and herself. So and they must also have acknowledged that Solas was a fucking nut job. Right. So that was a whole crazy thing. And everyone's like, well, why? Why was he here? Like, no one really knows why, how he found them. Maybe he felt the hatchling and started to, you know, fly over to everyone. We don't know why he's coming. But more of the story is the Wyvern are still coming and they're getting more and more battle briefs where they're taking over all the cities on their way to them. And they're like, oh, shit, this is getting real bad. So they tried to raise the wards. But in order to do so, you need the six most powerful dragons of each color. So you got Tarn. You got the other ones that I forget. But it's like you need a red, a green, an orange, a yellow. No, no there's no yellow. I don't know. Red, green, orange, brown, black. Well, you end up having the six most powerful dragons, whoever they are. So it's like Tarn scale 
Mira's dragon, Brennan's dragon, Rhiannon's dragon. I don't know who else. Right. There's six of them. They all have to breathe fire onto the stone, but they can only do it once to help the wards. And it kind of works in a way, but also kind of doesn't because if it was done correctly, the Griffin writers should not have access to their magic and they still do. So everyone's like, ugh. Okay. So it was like partially activated, but it that just means that it's going to fail at a future date. Right. And when we mean partially activated, it's because we know it was activated because at the last hour, they all ride out to meet the wyverns that are coming them to them out of the flood. Wyverns try to go through the wards and end up – I don't really know what they say what happens. Sizzling like, out. Yeah, they kind of like crash and burn. And then everyone's yeah. like, okay, they got wards. Peace out. Today's not our battle. And they fly away. Very stressful because it's it's like a million to one. Of them coming over. So they got those wards up in the nick of time, but also they know this is not our best ward work here. So after this battle, oh, you know what? I forgot. I skipped right over this note. Uh, after Kat and Violet are having their little jealousy battles because they physically go to blows on the mat. Zayden goes down on her on a throne. And you know we love a throne there scene. Was a, there was a throne room scene oh, gosh, do we in love this one? book. Right. And the takeaway from that is that we learned that Zayden was actually supposed to be like the king of Tyrandor. So like if there wasn't a rebellion, that's what his title would be. So, you know, it was all a royalty political marriage. He's like, I don't care about Kat, but I care about you, baby. I'm going to prove yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely a top five throne room scene. It was hot. Wasn't it, the hottest. There's not a bad one. I, I yeah, don't think I found across a bad one yet. I don't so, think I, yeah. Valid point. I'm sorry I skipped over that. You know we love a throne win scene. There's one here. Make sure you, you do not skip that part. All right. So we're back at Riorsen House. The Wyvern have attempted to attack them. We know it's not working. We know the wards are a little whack. They get a message from General Melgren, the general of the Navarre army, and he sees that there is going to be and remember he's got his signet is he's able to see the outcome of the battles but he can only see it if three of the marked ones marked ones are not there so like three or more can't see what's happening no marked ones i see what's happening so he says there's this huge battle we're going to lose i see it happening at samara at the outpost i want to meet with you guys and see if we can all band forces together so he asks our rebels to go help them they end up going to meet Melgren and his his little minions, I'd say. And that includes Violet's mom is there. Now, there's a couple things that happen here that we all want to touch on a little bit. One, this is the first time that Violet's mom, General Sorengale, sees Brennan alive. And so the crack of emotion that comes through her face kind of starts to paint this picture of she's not this – She's not able – where they thought she was able to turn off her mom switch and turn into a general, like we see that switch back where she goes right back into mom mode and she's happy but devastated and like processing all these emotions, whereas Brennan is just all kinds of mad about it. You send us into war. You don't care about us. He's like, yeah, I lied to you and I didn't tell you I was alive. I allowed you to process your grief and die from it. And so you have that dynamic happening. Yeah, it also. was not a happy family reunion. No. Happy, I think, on General Sorengale's part, but Brennan let her have it. Yeah. So Melgren makes his speech. He says, I want you guys to help me. Please help me. I've seen this battle outcome. It's not going to go well. We need your help to, you know, defend our nation. And they basically were like, mm, no, no thanks. Rather not. We got another battle here. We're going to focus on that. 
So they angrily stomp off, but Violet's mom requests some time with her children to talk about them. So we see this speech happen from Violet's mom that we've kind of heard earlier before echoed where she's like, I will do anything for my children. And so she – this ends up working into – Violet's sort of starting to realize that maybe I can trust her and she's not just – one of Melgren's minions. So she gives her, Violet gives her mom the journal that she was tortured for that is from the... One of the first writers. I forget which one. Lyra? Maybe. That sounds Um, right. She said, you know, there's conflicting reports. One of the six wanted to share the power. The other one didn't. We need to figure out how this is going to, how to make the wards work. And it's super important for us surviving this big battle. So her mom leaves with that journal. Now... What's happening back with our our dynamic duo? Violet finally, finally gets her shit together and tells Zayden she loves him. And she's also like, hey, you have a second signet? Why didn't you tell me about it? And so they have a little like fight and then they're back into love. Uh, He does end up telling her – I think I skipped over this in the timeline. So it's a little wonky. That's fine. Right. But Zayden's second signet is that he's in in Tinzik. Is that how you're saying that? Sounds right. In Tinziak. Anyway, it is someone who can read other people's minds and thoughts, except for Zayden, he can read their intentions. So he knows, you know, if you're going to talk to him, he knows what you're intending to talk to him about. Now, remember, in book one, there is a kid whose signet manifests and it he also is an Intinzik, and one of the professors just comes over and snaps his neck because it is a very dangerous signet to have and it's you're just killed immediately for it. And Zayden doesn't want everyone to know because obviously he'll be killed for it. But this kind of explains why he kind of knows things a little bit more, how he knows how to fight people because he knows their intentions. And so they finally say, I love you, even though you had this secret for me, another one. And they are one united front again. He, during this little love fest conversation, he also confesses another secret. He tells her that his mom disappeared, which probably feels important. And I just want to call on that because we talked about these little things where we're like, is this going to be important? Is this not going to be important? I think it's going to be important. She, I guess, through their marriage contract was contractually obligated to see him make it to. Yeah, she was supposed to give his father an heir. And, and like stay. keep him alive until he was like 10, I think. Yeah, like or that. 13. Sure. Like, I don't know if it was like to see adulthood or there was some kind of age limit requirement. And then she promptly bounced out. So boys got abandonment issues when it comes to that. She did make him a blanket, though. Right. But now it's like, did she leave? Was she killed? Was she stolen? We don't know. So what's happening in the attack front? Violet realizes that the Wyvern aren't going to full-on attack Navarre until the wards at Bazgaf fall because that's where the biggest source of the wards are. So if you take those down, it's free reign into the whole country. That's where the dragon hatchling ground in and everything has to be protected there. There's a lot going on that is really the tipping point should it fall for the rest of the country. Um, so they have to go back to fight to protect Bazgiath. Some writers go, some stay behind. Ultimately, we'll know later at the battle, they all come running. When they make it to Bazgiath, it is a ghost town of what it formerly was. Not just because they took half the writers with them, but because Melgren has pulled all of his military personnel to station at Samira, the border town that he believes to be attacked. And we know, he already knows that they're going to lose. So that's kind of a weird choice. Like, are you actively going to your death? Yes. Right. Maybe. But General Sorengale is still at the college defending them. And they're trying to tell her that 
the why we're not attacking, they're just waiting at the borders. Like they know they're waiting for these wards to fall. Something is happening and the wards have to be protected. She's like, okay, whatever. The wards are safe. Like, I'll show you if you need me to. So they go down, they go look at the wards, and she's like, look, see, here they are. Oh. And we see, as they're getting there, the guards who are stationed to kill, who are stationed to protect the wards are killed. Now, here's where things get interesting. When we get in there, we see the wards that are, like, kind of this big stone. Like, I picture it like a Stonehenge stone. Yeah. It's kind of like that. And they are not alone when they go in there. Because Jack fucking Barlow is in there, not by himself also, with his dragon, who is breathing fire actively onto the stone. To deactivate it. To deactivate it. Now, here's where things get even more interesting. We learn Jack is successful and he breaks the stone and the wards fall. Jack also admits, oh yeah, I'm Venon actually. Have been, always have been. That's why I hated your ass. And I'm not the only one. We're all around you. We broke into this college and we learn that he's been placing lures through runes all around the college during his time here. And that's to lure the the wyvern wyvern. and the venom over there. So hold on. He's okay. I I don't know why, but I thought that Jack had become a Venon when he came back. So I thought that originally as well. But on but the you re-read, went back and read. On the reread, <laughs> they kind of said like, well, that's why his eyes were always kind of crazy red and bloodshot. We just thought he was crazy. So there's a lot of talk of eyes here. And, you know, Zayden kind of pieces together because for some reason Nolan, the former healer who outed them – to Varish is also there and we know that he we learned he's been working this entire time to heal now we thought he was just healing Jack Barlow from the dead but he's actually trying to keep him in check we also learn that that order suppressant bond suppressant that they were given was recently created and that's what they've been using on Jack to try and heal him not just from the dead but heal him from becoming a venom So we learn that's the secret that's been hiding, that's been going on throughout all of this. And so we don't know how many there are. He just alludes to, we've been here all around. And we know that the red eyes are kind of a giveaway. So we're like, who else had red eyes before they left? General Atos had red eyes, being described as bloodshot eyes. Yeah. Shut up. Yep. I went back. So now we're learning it's not just him huge <laughs> huge and so you're thinking as you're reading it he's just like angry angry eyes yeah the blustered like right red eyes described also it's interesting to note and it's specifically called out too during this whole scene is violet notices her his dragon whose name i forgot um her eyes are not golden like they normally are they're sort of opaque and clouded and they're all like, well, how how the heck did you bond with the dragon? And he's like, my power that I have is so much more powerful than you'll ever know. And basically, he's like, it works. Like, it works with the dragon. And we are kind of alluded to believe that he's controlling her. So, which could explain the random attack her dragon did on their, um, on their scouting trip. Group during their scouting yeah. thing where that dragon just popped up out of nowhere. 
still doesn't explain why he's destined to take her out. There's obviously some kind of larger thing at play here. But what happens then is the dragon – now, bear with me a little bit. It might have been the dragon's death that broke the word stone and the blood. But the dragon submits itself to Jack. Jack, like, slits its throat, kills the dragon. Like, the dragon willingly is like, I give my life to you with its crazy opaque eyes. So we know Jack's controlling it, cuts the dragon, the dragon dies. Now, when a dragon is bonded to a rider – and the dragon dies, so does the writer. We learned that with Liam the hard way, unfortunately. But Jack's not dying. And that's where he's saying, my power is stronger than this. Like, I can control more things than you even thought. So they're like, what the heck? Zayden keeps him talking to get as much information out of him as they can. And he smacks him over the head with a sword to not kill him, but incapacitate him so they can sort of regroup and understand what's happening here. They use the serum on him also to cut off his powers to help him capture him. So he gets... Dosed both ways. Right. And the wards were destroyed by when he killed this dragon, not when the dragon was breathing fire on it. So now the stakes have escalated quite a bit because no, now we know the enemy is within. The call is coming from inside the house. The riders and Violet's mom, everyone kind of prepares to be like, okay, it's, it's you know, we've got like 10 hours. Everyone prepare yourselves. You're most likely going to die tomorrow, but we're going to give it the best shot we got. I love um, final battle scenes. Me too. But there's – you know what? who did it really well? In Game of Thrones. There's like that last yes. battle and like they show them all the day before getting ready. And I just remember being like, oh, gosh. Yes. Who's going to die? Not Throne of Glass. Throne of Glass does it beautifully too. Basically, yeah. any SJM does a big battle scene preparation really well. So they all make strategies to fight – how are they going to conquer this? You know, they're sharing their secrets, like kill the wyvern or kill the writer. That kills the wyvern. Don't don't focus on the little wyvern. Brennan, as we said, some people stayed behind. More of the stories all came. Brennan was part of that group that came. And he's like, I couldn't leave you guys to fight this battle by yourselves, uh, which is good to have the extra manpower. But Brennan specifically is going to come in handy. Here's why. Violet in a last ditch effort realizes as a mender, perhaps the wards can be healed. And so she enlists Brennan's help. She says, you're not going to fight the battle. Let everyone else take care of that. I need you down here trying to use your power and your signet to mend the wards. So that's what he's doing the entire time. The battle is here. They, I mean, it's the way they describe it. It's like millions, millions of wyverns are there to attack them. They're like, ah, all right, this is going to be nasty. Yeah, it's not um, good. Most of the friends make it out okay that we know of so far. Sawyer's leg is sadly ripped off. Violet's able to save him. He does get healed. Jacinia is taking care of him. We don't know what that means for Sawyer, though. In my head, in book three, somebody makes him a prosthetic leg and he can still ride. Yeah. Yes. Uh, They're making some kind of magical, magical prosthesis. Um, Now, in the heat of the battle, you know, things are not looking good. Justinia runs over to Violet and she's like, I have figured it out. I've figured it out because the entire time they're translating this book and they're like, they don't really lead this language. So like they think they're getting the translations right and which is why they think it didn't work the first time when they tried to raise the wards. They thought they must have translated it wrong. And she's like, I did figure it out. We did translate it wrong because it's not six types of dragons that we need. It's seven. Now they're like, what the heck? There's not seven types of dragons. And as they're having this conversation, Violet's clocking at the corner of her eye. There's like a boulder that's moving. And she's like, what? What? And 
you know, closely after that, they got attacked and Ardana reveals herself to be this camouflaged boulder. So she snaps the head off of a wyvern wyvern. rider who was trying to attack them right shortly after this conversation. And now Violet's staring at her and she's like, your scales changed. You were supposed to be hiding. And she's like, you know, cheeky little teenager. She's like, well, I was hiding. (laughs) Just not where you told me to be. I love her so much. And it's so great. And so she's like, you're not black. I thought you were black. And on this part tugged at my heart. She goes, well, I wanted to be a black dragon like Tarn because I admire him so much. And so that's why she was presenting herself as black. And all throughout the book, Violet kind of gets like a, a glimmer of her scales. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. So truthfully, she, we learn, is in her own dragon category that hasn't been hatched in 650 years. And so she tells Violet, I was left behind and I've been waiting for you to be born so that I could hatch and do what was need to do, what do was need to be done. And so we're like, whoa. It's like waiting for you. Waiting for you because she knew she needed, they needed to pair up together, which is why she bonded her, why she sought her out and why the dragon kind didn't really mess with her too much because Mm -hmm. they know you know, dragons keep secrets amongst themselves. They know she's the secret species and they basically allowed her to, to bond no problems. Yeah, she was born for a reason. Right. And so we're all processing this and we're like, oh, sweet Ardana. She just wanted to be like Tarn because she loves him so much. But also, holy shit, girl, you're in a species all by yourself. You're your own badass, which we've seen proven time and time again. So they make the decision that we have to fix the ward or Dana can't um, – Ignite multiple stones. We choose the ward at Bagsgath versus the one at Rioston House. Um, and the sex dragons come together with Ardana. Um, it's – I forgot the names of the dragons. But just know they all come together and they all blow on the stones. And we learn that it could hold power. Um, but we have to give it lots of power. Like now that it's activated, Brenda mended it. It's activated. We have to make it hold power. So – Violet is trying to use as a conduit most of her power to get it in there. And she's realizing she's like, she's starting to burn out, but she's trying to give it everything she gets in a last ditch effort to like get these warts back up. Sloan is down there as is General Sorengale. Now, this is another part that pulled up my heartstrings because I hated this part so much. Sloan has a signet. She is a siphon. She can drain power from things and apply it elsewhere. Violet's mom knows this. And Violet's mom grabs Sloan and basically holds her hand to the stone and holds onto her so that and instructs Sloan to channel all of General Sorengale's very powerful power into the stone, knowing that it will kill her. Yeah. And her power and her dragon's power. Right. And killing them what's, both. What's crazier about this scene though is the way that it was initially set up. I thought that she had grabbed Sloane right. to sacrifice Sloane. And I was like, holy fucking hell. And then all of a sudden I realized she's like, oh, no, she's she's sacrificing herself she's and her sac- dragon. Mm-hmm. To get the wards back up. And the entire time as her life's being drained from her, she's telling Violet, you know, you are everything we hoped you would be. I would told you I would do everything to protect my kids. This is why I'm doing it. And initially, to your point, Hilda, when I start to grab – when I thought she was grabbing Sloane to do it for bad reasons, I was like, oh, my God, she did say she would do anything. and includes murdering this girl again. But no, she's using Sloane to siphon off her power, kill her, but raise the wards. And so there's a lot of this 
speech and conversation from General Sorengel where she's, again, saying yeah, like everything Violet's crying. Violet's crying. Mira's crying. Brennan's crying. Like everyone is crying as they, they see this outpouring of love that they have never had in their entire lives from their mother or realize that she was doing things behind the scenes the scene, yeah. to get them on a path. She reveals that, yes, she was chosen to be in the, scri- the writer, the scribe quadrant originally, but we learned that the scribes were actually helping to create this propaganda where the Griffins were the bad guys, not the Wyvern. And she, General Solengale, knew that because Violet has the scribe, the mind of a scribe, but the heart of a writer, she could do more for their country by being a writer because she knew that Violet would not stand for that kind of lies to be told and passed down through all the history. And that Violet being so smart would figure this all out eventually, which she did. And so that's why in the beginning of this book, everyone's outraged when her mom pulls her from the Squibe quadrant and throws her into becoming a writer because we're learning that Jaron Storengale is hip to the information, which is something we talked about a, a while <laughs> for a long time. Like, does she know? Does she not know where she stand on all this? And that she was trying to get them prepared for this eventuality that was happening, that the Wyverns would attack and everyone would have to know the truth. And so – I feel as we made our apologies to Dane, we must make our apologies to General Sorengale as well. Yeah. We kind of painted you as a cold-hearted bitch, which you kind of cold-hearted, I would say, but for the right reasons. Her methods were cold-hearted, but her intentions were pure. Yes. So she is drained. She dies. The wards go back up. Now, while Violet ran off to go do this and raise the wars with Ardana. Zayden, on the other hand, is on the battlefield and has ridden out to go fight the sage because throughout this entire time, Violet's having terrible nightmares that there is a sage that keeps coming for her and he's like, you'll turn, you'll turn for love. And it's tortured her throughout the entire book. Um, we see the sage, Violet gets really nervous around that this, like what church she's been dreaming about is coming to pass. But Zayden says, I'll go out there. They're waiting for me. Now we're kind of like, what? Why are they waiting mm-hmm. for you? Mm-hmm. So he goes out there to go fight that front while she deals with the wards. So the wards go up and everything seems looking to be for okay. Yeah. yeah, everyone seems to be okay. Let's go survey the scene. They can't come any closer. Anyone that's in has died. Now as she's going out there to go find her, go find him, Sajel kind of meets her. Now they have a testy relationship, but Sajel meets him and she's like, be kind to him. She's like, what? What? Why would I be kind to him? Uh, Be gentle with him. And she's confused. And Zayden refuses to look her in the eye as he's explaining what happened. I rode out to meet him. There was a battle. She goes and she grabs his hand and he like pulls it away. Yeah. So like something's being really weird here. And she's like, what is is happening? He finally looks her in the eye and we see that he is now Fenin. Benin. His eyes are bloodshot red. Eyes are bloodshot red. How did this happen? End scene. End scene. End scene. And then we get the epilogue. And I'm sorry because I was just like, what? We get the epilogue. Well, yes. So my emotions were, oh, my God. And, oh, there's an epilogue. I'm going to get more information on what happened here. So I will say the minute he pulled his hand away, I knew. I knew that he had turned Venan. You knew? I knew. So we get this epilogue from his point of view. And he's, like, walking – He's narrating it, and he's it's he's like I got out of bed with out Violet, of the bed that I was with Violet, and I walked the hallways, and I went down to the prison cell 
where Jack Barlow was. And he was talking to Jack. And the one thing I remember was Jack was like, well, we're like brothers now. Yeah. Like, fuck you, And And I was just like, what? And I, I forget what Zayden said. He was asking him, like, how do I go back to being a normal human? Like, how did you do this? And he's really looking for a cure. And Jack tells him there is no cure. Like, this is who we are now. Yeah. And then he's like, we're brothers. And so that's where it ends. So, okay. The part that I was confused about was, did that epilogue take place before the battle? Because. Oh. And he had already turned. Because I was like, because I cannot in my head imagine that Violet would just take him back to the college and be like, everything's fine and get in bed with him when this is like her mortal enemy. That's a good point. But he was locked up before. Why would he have been locked up before? Well, because he was locked up because he was locked up. They found Jack. They locked him up. It oh, was the I night. before. Yeah, it was the it was the night before the battle. So they still got some sleep. <sighs> so I was like, but then I don't know. I think it did happen after the battle because he did say something. The, so I'm just I'm having a hard time reconciling Violet going and getting back into bed with him. Right. Not Which, just from like the trust issues, you know, whatever happened, notwithstanding. As a Benin, he can just drain her power at any time yeah. when he touches her. So so I thought that was weird. That was weird. So if somebody can clarify the timeline, I'd really appreciate it. So I don't think we're going to be able to clarify it because this is, this is what I'm talking about, the chunks of time that are missing. So we know Zayden goes off to battle. We don't know what happens. We have the bookends. We know he went off to battle. We know he turned Venom at the end of it. We don't know what happened. So I, I can't – I don't know if I made this up or if it was just something I briefly read – Zayden was having the same dreams too. This is why I went on my rant about tell people about your fucking dreams. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Because he was, he was having dreams with the sage as well. Mm -hmm. And so I guess when the sage told Violet, you will turn for love, he must've told Zayden the same thing. But anyways, the sage is also, I guess, still coming after Violet. The third thing, Mm -hmm. which I read I saw the video in a TikTok theory. I can't remember the creator. I think um, I sent it to you. I think you did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that basically there is a letter in one of those like chapter introductions mm-hmm. from General Sorengale to Nolan basically asking, is there a cure for this? It's really important that we get something. Right. And then there's also the theory, and I can't remember if it was in the same TikTok video or not, that the reason that Violet's hair goes from like dark to silver is supposedly because her mom had a fever when Violet was born. That's why she's frail, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. But maybe Violet is half Venin, is the other theory that I saw. Because General Sorengill maybe was Venin, but she was taking this medication. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so lots, lot lots more questions, more questions so I, and answers. If we go back to the dream part for a bit, so we know that Violet was having the same dreams as now. We now know they were Zayden's dreams, and Violet was seeing the same thing this entire time. We thought that they were her own dreams. So, yeah, but probably I, not dreams, more like astral projections. But whatever. <laughs> we'll get into the woo-woo semantics later. <laughs> but what I've seen going around as a theory for this is that. Because Violet has two dragons, she will get two signets. 
And so her potential signet is something that allows her to dream walk or share some kind of thoughts or get into the minds of people because we know Zayden has the intrinsic mind second signet. So hers is they think something of the same similar. It hasn't manifested itself, although apparently Rebecca Yaros has been like, there's clues all around. Like it's pretty obvious yeah. if you pay attention. There's supposed to be clues to Violet's hair too. But I'm like, is it obvious? I don't think it is. Obvious maybe when you know the answer. So that's a theory too. Now we pay attention really closely, which we did not. Right. So the other theories is that perhaps and I, you know, a couple theories on here, that perhaps Violet's dad is actually the venom, the sage that I think he's described in like cream robes, which is what the scribes wear. And perhaps at some point, maybe, I don't know, before the birth of Violet, her dad turned venom. They were working on this cure. So that's how they had this half venom. I, I don't know. That's how Violet turned out the way she did. Perhaps her dad is actually venom. I seen this yeah. theory that her mom is actually venom and they've been like suppressing it all this time. Yeah. Because, I mean, so the Venon, I mean, we know that they're evil because they choose to be evil. But clearly, if you can suppress it, you can make other choices. So maybe it's just a different way of using magic. And I think Um, that's what it is. Because Nolan, when he – they're in the the wards and Jack is doing his thing to blow it up. He's like, you can choose to be good. Fight this Jack. So there's something that they – you can fight that prevents you from being so power hungry. Because really that's – I think the evilness of the Venon and why they're trying to get to the wards is like they want all that power to themselves. I'm sure somehow down the line, someone stole their power and now they're coming back for it. Yeah. I will say, though, that when General Soren Gale died, she did yell out, like, I'm coming for you, darling, sort of like she was going to go meet Violet's father. So while I do kind of like the theory that her father is the sage – turned sage when he thought Brennan had died. I think it's possible that he just did pass. Because I I would like her parents to be reunited. Like, imagine her mom goes to the afterlife. She's like, where's my husband? And it's like, oh, look, he's the sage. Right. Just don't feel like that would be great. Right. And I think the the way the people explain the people, the TikTokers, you know, us out there all theorizing all this, that – that's why the sage is so obsessed with Violet and finding yeah. Violet is because there's some kind of familial connection there. Now maybe they're trying to find Violet because they know she bonded to Ardana and she's this super rare breed that has specifically waited 650 years, which is like roughly the time that the wards have been around. Knowing maybe for like because the purpose she had a bond with Violet, like something is a Bruin. Or maybe because she's half Venon, half Ryder and – She's the chosen of both people. I don't know. Yeah, she's Something of both along worlds those lines. and can unite everyone together. I, I don't know. Uh, well, we got three more books. To, they want her to unite for evil. She can unite for good. And so all those dreams that we were having, thinking that Violet would turn for love, it's actually Zayden. So did he turn to save her? Why did he turn? Like, what are the terms of this this turning that he did? Can you just, like, are you born Venon? Can you turn Venon? I don't know. We don't know anything about them. But we got three more books. To get through. And I don't know where this plot's going. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like we could kind of maybe wrap it up in one more, but we've got three more because yeah. it's a five book series. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it it might get a little dragged out. That's my concern. Yeah. Or like we'll have this evil Violet yeah. book. I kind of don't want an evil no. Violet book. That'll annoy me. I agree. It's bad enough that we have like evil Zayden. 
Yeah, or somewhat evil. Like, can he fight it? I don't know. Oh, no. But all this to say, I think Hilda and I stand firm in saying that book two far surpassed our expectations. I feel like it's one of the best book twos I've ever read. I agree. It was it was very very good, and that's book two is a hard one to come back. Called the sophomore um, slump. Yeah, that's what it is. So before we leave you, let's get into some shout outs because we didn't get to them last time and we just want to give some love to some folks. So from Spotify, all these questions were answered from Spotify. We have Josie Fraser who answered the question. After Aquamath, do you think Tamlin deserves (laughs) – redurves. Redurves. (laughs) Deserves a redemption arc. She said no two crying face emojis. Still team redemption arc. We got it from Dane. Why can't we get it from Tamlin? The next two questions come to us from, I think both of these people are new. So Josie Fraser and Caspino. Hi, friends. You're new. Caspino answered, are you also angry at Reese for not telling Feyre how dangerous the pregnancy was in Silver Flames Part 2? Um, they answered, yes. It's not up to Reese to decide on Feyre's life for a character that always offers choices. This wasn't his strongest. And yes, he went full Tamlin on Feyre for the pregnancy. It's true. He did really go full Tamlin on that. He did. You know, I, that's why we, we struggled with that. This is why Reese is off of my why choose list. Now, I love their answer to this next question. Uh, Reese is off? I always forget. Yes. That man will always be on Bridget added him back on because she's a sucker for him. She was like, I really miss this man. But then she forgot that she added him back on. Um, But he never left your list. No. Still still on it, baby. He'll always be there. You're steadfast. Loyal. This hoe is loyal. (laughs) Uh, Caspino also answered the question, do you like the current poppy cast Kieran dynamic or as you as creeped out as are you as creeped out as the hosts are from Blood and Ash book five? Um, they answered, I would have liked a threesome if it was only sexual, but with love involved. Nope. I don't want love. I want pure curiosity and physical attraction between the three of them. I think that's kind of what's summed us up as well. Like we wanted, I I just, I don't love this love in there. Ugh. Grosses me I'm out. I'm with you. Next question is from – or next question was answered. It's from Paige B. She answered, what book talk made me podcast swag would you be interested in? And she wants a t-shirt or a hat, but she'll honestly wear anything. Good to good know, to Paige. Know. Oh, good, good to know. Um, Maybe like your book talk Santa Clauses are working on this as we speak. Because, <laughs> you know, we'd be busy. Also, our last question comes to us from Claudia. She answered the question, can you forgive Darius for what he did to Tori in the pool? And that's from ZA book one. And she said, this is a hot take. Ooh, this is going to be good. This Claudia's is hot-, hot takes are always it. the best. I love it. This is a hot take, but I was never upset with him in the first place. Never? Oh, okay. Let me read on. Faye and Solaria are ruthless and will do whatever it takes to secure their position in society. Ruthless, She's yes. not wrong. Heartless, though. Are they also heartless? Because that one was hard. Hard on the old heartstrings. You know, again, he did it. He did it because of Xavier. He did. He had his motives, which we now know. So. I I will forgive, but I will not forget Darius. It's true. He does make up for it quite a bit, though. I mean, yes. And he asks you should. Yes, Yes, he should. Yes, he should. I also would be like, you know, you're going to take that trash out? He's like, no, I'll do it in a minute. Well, remember the time you tried to drown me in a pool? You're going to take that trash out right now. (laughs) Or more throne room scenes, please. Yeah, you spend the rest of your life on your knees making this up to me. Also a worthy thing. So that is it from us as we sum up and recap all of Iron Flame, the book series that flew into our lives originally with Fourth Wing and now I think is steadfast in our book book loves of top top ones we've read. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely 
Iron Flame, not Fourth Wing. Right. But Iron, Iron Flame is definitely in like my top five of the year. It, I agree. Absolutely agree. And I think we want to do it kind of top five recap or like best books of the year. Uh, so more to come on that. But thank you guys for always checking us out. You know where to find us. Book Talk Made Me underscore pod on TikTok and Instagram. As always, I've been seeing a lot of chatter in the DMs lately. So I'd love to see you guys in there. Caspino and Josie Frazier, hop on over there. I want to talk to you. Let's chat, friends. Um, Next book we are reading is actually book two. <laughs> We're doing book two from Caven Hearing. Hiring? Herning. Herning. Thank you. Caven Herning. Um, she's a popular TikTok book talker. TikTok book talker? Yes. TikToker? Um, TikToker, yeah. Book Specializing talker. the book, book talker. talker community. Book talker. Thank God. Jesus. She came out with two novels. We read the first one last year. Her second one just came out. So we're going to be covering that one. And then we're going to get into gold. Gold? Yeah. yeah. Book five. Book five? Book five in the Plated Prisoner series. Right. Her one after that is going to be called Gold Finch. Yeah. Which should be the final final. So we're not quite final yet. We're close to being final. But we're that's Raven Kennedy. So Yeah. That came out on Thursday, I believe the 7th of December Thursday December 7th I'm really looking forward to more commander rip dirty talk as we all are and looking forward to getting your girl Bridget back in here because we missed her so that is it from us today we'll catch you guys later uh, and happy reading